Tonight, we begin excerpts from a book called Legendary Lake Ponderay, Idaho's Wilderness of Water, by Jane Fritz and her friends. It's both a recreation guide and a fascinating history of one of our region's great treasures. Its abundant contemporary and historical photographs, trail and canoeing maps, botanical and wildlife lore, and Native American tales make it a must for the library of any outdoor enthusiast or armchair hiker. Over the next two weeks, we'll be presenting just a small sample of what this guide has to offer. Legendary Lake Ponderay, read by author Jane Fritz. Meet Lake Ponderay. The wilderness of water has a spiritual vastness that's almost greater than any wilderness of land. Russell Keene. Back in 1993, Russell Keene and I went for a ride in his old town Katahdin canoe from Talachi Landing. At age 84, Russell had outfitted his canoe with a rowing machine to get him around on the lake faster and to keep him in strapping good shape. I quickly got a lesson on proper rowing technique. I recall doing all the rowing that day, hugging the shore as we headed south to Maiden Rock and back again. Russ chided my lack of courage to take to open water and cross over to Kilroy Bay, one of his favorite canoe routes. Surely I could accomplish this. After all, he'd seen elk swim across in a mere hour and a half. But then it was not unusual for Russ to row all the way to Hope or Clark Fork either. In fact, in the previous five years that he had taken to rowing his canoe on Lake Ponderay, he had amassed nearly 4,000 miles in the process. In a story I subsequently wrote for Sandpoint Magazine, Russ exclaimed, I have great respect for this lake. I know it can kill me, but you got to roll with it. You got to live with the wilderness of water not just be there. You have to be part of it. This lake gets in your blood, I guess. You're living on your own strength, and there's a certain thrill in pitting yourself against a wild thing like this lake. And believe me, when it gets rough, it's wild, terrifying. The wildness of Lake Ponderay, the largest lake in Idaho, is derived at least in part from its sheer size. At 43 miles long and more than 1,100 feet deep, it dwarfs every other lake in the state. Being hemmed in by mountains on all sides likely contributes to the lake's tempestuousness as well. Shimmering beneath the northern Idaho summer sun, churning in the fury of a winter storm, brimming with the icy waters of spring runoff, tranquil in the light of an autumn full moon, Lake Ponderay has been the lifeblood of civilizations old and new. It remains the most remarkable geographic feature of northern Idaho. Thousands of years ago, the Idaho Panhandle was covered with thousands of feet of ice. The Purcell lobe of the continental ice sheet blocked the mouth of the Clark Fork River. An immense lake that filled the valleys of western Montana was created. When that ice dam failed, supposedly over and over again, ten times more water than what flows in all the rivers of the world today rushed into the vacated abyss that now cradles Idaho's most precious gem. Lake Ponderay is a remnant of the former glacial valley that preceded it, but Ponderay is no less spectacular, 
no less beautiful than its ancestor, Glacial Lake Missoula. Perhaps more impressive than its 111 miles of shoreline is its depth. Lake Ponderé is the fifth deepest lake in the United States. The deepest part of the lake has been plumbed at 1,158 feet, although there is still question about its exact depth. In the southern lobe of the lake, past Indian Point, there's a stretch of water 10 miles long by more than a mile wide where the bottom is consistently more than 1,000 feet below the surface. Two rivers and nearly two dozen creeks feed the lake. Pack River flows from the north, draining the Selkirk Mountains, but flowing from the wide, deep valley creasing the Montana landscape to the east is Clark's Fork of the Columbia, today simply known as the Clark Fork River. It supplies 90% of the lake's water from a watershed of hundreds of square miles, including Glacier National Park, the Bob Marshall Wilderness, and the moonlike landscape of Homestake Pass above Butte, Montana, 280 miles to the south. Lake Ponderé is surrounded by four mountain ranges, the Selkirks to the north and west, the Cabinets to the east, and to the south, the Coeur d'Alene's and the Bitterroots. South and west lie the Rathstrom Prairie and the Ponderosa Pine Forests of eastern Washington. The highest point immediately around the lake is Pack Saddle Mountain, crowning its east side at 6,405 feet. Looming over the Clark Fork River Delta is the highest summit in Bonner County, Idaho, Scotchman Peak at 7,009 feet, which all told soars more than 6,000 vertical feet above the lake bottom. Human history. There is a long history of human activity around Lake Ponderé. Not long after the continental ice sheet receded, native peoples hunted, fished, and traded along its shores. For more than 10,000 years, indigenous tribes prospered here. Then, in September 1809, David Thompson, a Canadian fur trader and explorer, arrived and set his eyes on this beautiful body of water, immediately recognizing its intrinsic value. Written in his later years, his memoir states, The impression of my mind is, from the formation of the country and its climate, its extensive meadows and fine forests, watered by countless brooks and rills of pure water, that it will become the abode of civilized man, whether natives or other people. Thompson initially named the lake Cullispell Lake, after the Kalispell Indians who lived here. Perhaps one of his voyageurs gave the lake its French name, Ponderé. Translated, it means ear pendant, possibly referring to jewelry worn by a Kalispell they encountered, even though it wasn't tribal custom to wear earrings. Or maybe the name described the lake shape as an ear. This is the name that endured, but sadly with the spelling altered. The D apostrophe was dropped in use over the years. After Thompson's initial exploration of Lake Ponderé, the remote and wild character of this place changed dramatically over the next 200 years. Steamboats began plying the waters of Lake Ponderé in the 1860s. The railroads came in the 1880s, and mining and timbering dominated the landscape 
at the turn of the 20th century. The lake's largest community, Sandpoint, was first settled in 1881, and the Northern Pacific Railroad surveyed the area and established the station of Ponderay. The town grew slowly from then on as a mining and timber center. Hope was once a booming railroad community with the construction of the NP line in 1882. The Chinese who worked on the railroad lived in the community until the 1920s. A big chapter in the lake's history was written during World War II when Bayview was the site of the Farragut Naval Training Station, through which some 300,000 enlisted men passed. There is still a naval research detachment in Bayview. The community was also busy early this century when mines and lime quarries flourished. Roads were pushed through the dark forests on all sides of the lake by the 1950s. However, it remained difficult, if not impossible, to get to every part of the lakeshore. To this day, much of the lakeshore only is approachable by watercraft. Much of Lake Ponderay's shoreline is simply too steep and rugged for a road. Highway 200 parallels the northeast side of the lake, connecting Sandpoint to Hope and Clark Fork. A few roads have been punched into premium locations like Talachi Landing, Garfield Bay, and along the lakeshore to Bottle Bay on the west side. At the south end are the communities of Bayview and Lakeview, while the most remote outposts are on the lake's east shore at Granite, Cedar Creek, Whiskey Rock, and Kilroy Bay. A Wilderness of Water Today, 12,000 years after the ice melted and ancient floodwaters receded, two centuries after the fur traders encountered the indigenous people, and at the dawn of a new millennia with perhaps the greatest influx of human residents the region has ever known, Lake Ponderay is still Russell Keene's wild and sometimes terrifying wilderness of water. It still beckons to the adventurer, yet for all its wildness, the lake can be a place of serenity as well. Russ said he was never lonely on the lake, even those times when nobody was out there but him. It is peaceful and a lot like praying, he said. It's a feeling that you are alone with the Creator, and you listen to the deep calm of it. This book describes the many communities, recreation sites, and access points to the lake, along with its human and natural history. Part 1 divides the lake and its major rivers into seven geographical areas. Each area begins with an overview and a detailed map, and then an anecdota, a personal story from someone who has lived here a while. There are also brief notes or longer stories of Native American history, pioneer history, wildflower identification, wildlife viewing opportunities, fishing tales, sailing information, paddle routes, special events and activities, hiking, mountain biking, and horseback riding trails, driving and biking tours, and even poetry. Part 2 details the area's human history from prehistory to the present day. This book is designed to help you maximize the enjoyment of the lake 
but also to learn why this is such a remarkable body of water. Experience its wildness and its deep calm. Explore its mountain heights and watery depths, quiet coves and broad expanses. Enjoy the thrill of fishing and capture majestic wildlife on film. Legendary Lake Ponderay, a wilderness of water, will help you get to know this most precious of the gem state's watery gems, Lake Ponderay. As Russell King tempted, its spiritual vastness awaits you. Area 1, Bayview, Eastern Shore to Kilroy Bay, Western Shore to Talachi Landing. Overview. In the hearts of many people, myself included, the spirit of Lake Ponderay is likened to that of a woman, the Lady of the Lake. Perhaps, then, the southern tip of the lake near the present-day town of Bayview is found at the Lady's feet, her ankle at Cape Horn. Looking at the lake's shape on a modern map, she appears to be pirouetting between mountain ranges. Most of this area is remote, magnificently beautiful, and steeped in history. Established boat launches and docks soon give way to primitive beaches, accessible only by water. It's best to discover these remarkable beaches, coves, and scenic splendors for yourself. The southern end of Lake Ponderay near Bayview to Kilroy Bay on the eastern shore, then across the lake to Talachi Landing on the opposite shore, is where weather and winds typically build, flowing northward up the lake's long, narrow body. This area is a sailor's dream, whether soloing or joining a regatta of boats from the Lake Ponderay Yacht Club out of Bayview. There is also a U.S. Naval Acoustic Research Detachment here, one of only two in the country, and unusual for an inland body of water. The federal government conducts deep-water sonar research for Navy ships and submarines and supports research on fish done by the state and University of Idaho. The Navy also records data from weather buoys on the lake below Three Sisters Peaks, daily information that is available to the public via the Internet. Google Ponderay Lake. This is also the most mysterious part of the lake. It is where the water is the deepest. There is more than 1,100 feet of water beneath your boat, a nautical mile from either the east or west shoreline. This area of the lake clearly falls under the rubric wilderness of water. Wild also describes the rocky steep slopes that rise from the lakeshore. Largely national forest lands, they are home to more wildlife than people, including white shaggy mountain goat families on the vertical slopes of Bernard Peak. If civilized amenities are what you seek, they can easily be found in Bayview and to a lesser extent across the lake in the small community of Lakeview. Southwest of Bayview at the far southern tip of Lake Ponderay is Farragut State Park. It features more than 40 miles of trails for hikers and bikers to explore, including more than 20 miles also open to equestrian use. Numerous campsites, a swimming beach, a museum and historic brig, and ample boating facilities. At the head of this bay and around a small peninsula lies Buttonhook Bay. This protected southernmost tow point of the lake lies completely within Kootenai County. 
Traveling northeast and northwest from scenic and Idlewild bays, it is wild again for nearly 20 miles. This area of the lake affords recreational experiences you won't soon forget. Anecdota, life on a houseboat. It was an exciting time for a girl growing up in Coeur d'Alene in the late 1950s. Come summer, Carrie Nyland's duffel bag was already packed and zipped when her mom, Judy Freeland, said, It's time to pack up and go to the lake. Lake Ponderé, that is. At Bayview, where the family's houseboat was moored. Back then, Lake Coeur d'Alene had hydroplane races, and it was too hectic being on the water. In contrast, those summers on Lake Ponderé were idyllic. Carrie and her two older brothers spent extended weekends living on the houseboat that her dad, Gene Soper, and family friend Jim Doyle built in 1958. They called it the Doily Bob. It was a simple rectangular deck strapped onto 55-gallon drums to serve as pontoons with a flat-topped wooden structure centered on the deck that served as the house. One of the earliest photographs of the doily bob was of Judy standing on deck, very pregnant with Carrie. So Carrie's life on a houseboat spanned from being in the womb until adolescence. Carrie, her mom, brothers, and Elvina Doyle spent weekdays on the lake moored at Bayview until the weekends when the men would arrive. Altogether, they would motor down the lake from Scenic Bay to Buttonhook Bay and moor for the night. They would count the deer along the way, which sometimes numbered over 50 animals, and Carrie would look for mountain goats on Bernard Peak using binoculars. Or they would motor northeast toward Lakeview, trolling for kokanee salmon or rainbow trout, and then fry up the fish for breakfast. They would swim, fish some more, and find a beach to tie up to for the night. This summertime routine of pure enjoyment went from Memorial Day through Labor Day. Carrie recalls as a small girl falling asleep among the life jackets and deck pillows kept in a storage box located on the foredeck. It was also her special hiding place during storms on the lake. She had to constantly wear a life jacket on board, but only until she was old enough to easily swim encircling the houseboat. The only thing that sometimes frightened her was swimming in that deep, deep water, only because her brothers would tease her about the Ponderay paddler or some enormous sturgeon about to nibble at her toes from the depths below. Being out on the lake today takes Carrie back to those memorable long-ago summers. Carrie believes that her experiences on the lake as a youth shaped her active adult life as a kayaker and scuba diver and is what nurtured her love of the outdoors. Today, Carrie and her husband John live in Sagal and paddle Lake Ponderay in every season. They go canoe camping and have favorite spots for scuba diving, Bayview, Maiden Rock, and Talachi Landing. The steep walls and interesting rock formations fascinate them, and they watch for big bass and look for lost fishing tackle and sunken boats. The couple once tried staying on a modern houseboat with full kitchen and a water slide on deck, but Carrie says it was too plush, like you never left home at all. The doily bob was more like going camping 
and she liked that better. As a lifelong lake enthusiast, Carrie's advice to people new to Lake Ponderay is to find something you enjoy doing that will bring you in close contact with the lake, and at the same time, won't take away from its remarkable splendor. It's a good give-and-take formula for the lake's future. Anecdota. Riding the mailboat to Kilroy Bay. John Thaxter used to have a desk job, but along with the lure of more time to fish, when opportunity knocked, he found himself a storm-worthy vessel and commenced delivering mail for the Bayview Post Office by boat. Despite scorching sun, thick winter fog, and furious winds that pound the hull of his boat with spectacular waves, Thaxter has delivered mail to the remote outposts of civilization on the east side of Lake Ponderay since 1993, six days a week, all year long. In addition to his contract with the U.S. Postal Service, he also delivers packages for UPS and FedEx. Upon request, he's also happy to bring a dozen eggs or a loaf of bread from the Bayview Mercantile, or maybe deliver something a little bigger, like a new washer and dryer. He also offers taxi service. Deliveries to this side of the lake are much easier to make by boat than by car or truck. The roads through the surrounding mountains maintained by the U.S. Forest Service are primarily dirt roads. It takes one and a half hours to drive the 19 miles to Lakeview from Bayview. But by boat, it only takes 10 minutes. It can take all day to deliver something to Kilroy Bay, just ask the Sears delivery man who swears he'll never do it again. But for Thaxter, Kilroy Bay is merely the last stop on his well-traveled lake route. In less than two hours, he's back at the dock at McDonald's Hudson Bay Resort in Bayview, after also visiting Lakeview, Cedar Creek, Whiskey Rock, Granite Creek, and Pine Cove. The only way to reach these human enclaves once the snow flies is by water, because the roads eventually become impassable. So Thaxter is also a lifeline to the residents on this side of the lake during the winter months. There's never a dull moment, says Thaxter, adding that he really enjoys his work. But for the record, he actually has less time for fishing. He particularly likes the challenge of making deliveries on wintry or stormy days, although the near 80-mile-an-hour winds and 10-foot waves in November 2006 were downright frightening, the worst weather he's ever seen on the lake. At each stop along the east shore, most of the residents come down to the docks to meet him and exchange mailbags and friendly news. Thaxter always has biscuits for the dogs. Most of the time, he doesn't even have to get out of the boat. It makes it a little nicer, especially when the wind is blowing 30 miles per hour. One can imagine the swell of residents who arrive to spend their summers on this isolated side of the lake. But what sort of people lives here year-round? This particular July day, I'm hitching a ride on the mailboat all the way to Kilroy Bay and back to find out. Argyle Midland is a former Angus rancher from Montana who, along with three other year-round families, 
is enjoying his retirement living at Whiskey Rock. He was used to remoteness, but because of the lake's effect of moderating temperatures, he finds that Whiskey Rock is warmer in winter and cooler in summer than his former home. Midland really appreciates the old-fashioned hospitality that Thaxter offers to residents like him on Lake Ponderay's east shore, especially during wintertime. If it wasn't for John, he jokingly says, people here probably wouldn't get anything to eat. It's more fun if you do more than what you're supposed to do, Thaxter says. Folks like Midland may be customers, but they're also friends. I don't mind bringing the groceries, he says. Sometimes Thaxter will even get a phone call in the middle of the night. I make emergency runs, too, sometimes for medications. Once he helped take a resident to the hospital. After all these years and clocking more than 150,000 miles on the lake, he says he could probably do his route blindfolded. He performs the extra duties because he enjoys doing them, not because there's much money in it. At Kilroy Bay, there are three year-round residents and 24 families who arrive during summertime. Lou Chrysler, a naval retiree from Spokane, has lived here for 22 years. Since the Johnson Creek Lakeview Road is several miles away, he usually goes by his own boat across the lake to Garfield Bay when he needs to go to Sandpoint. Lou's neighbor, Velda McTie, still enjoys living at Kilroy Bay, even after her husband John's death. Surprisingly, no one admits to getting cabin fever here. Instead, they spend their days hiking, doing crafts, socializing, watching the storms pass through, and viewing wildlife. Eagles that flock to Granite Creek for a feast of spawning kokanee in the winter, and moose, deer, elk, mountain goats, and cougar who come to shore year-round. McTie says some of the ungulates, recalling a cow moose in her calf, will swim across the lake to Garfield Bay. It's a little bit of heaven, says Chrysler. I wouldn't go anywhere else. On the boat heading back to Bayview on this lovely July morning, John Thaxter reveals that although every day on the lake is special, his favorite season of being a mailman on the water is during the winter months when there isn't a lot of human activity. He says the lake's monochromatic landscape, with ice sculpting the shoreline and wildlife peacefully drinking at the water's edge, is like a beautiful charcoal drawing. Most days, he just can't wait to get out on the water. And as far as jobs go, it's the best one he's ever had. Jane Fritz has been reading from her book, Legendary Lake Pondore, Idaho's Wilderness of Water, published in 2010 by Keoki Books of Sandpoint, Idaho. The Bookshelf is a production of Spokane Public Radio. With Vern Windham, I'm co-producer Nancy Roth.